We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 533 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, the day after the conclusion of a spectacular world baseball classic. You don't even have to be a baseball fan to appreciate what we just had in the World Baseball Classic in the WBC. Uh, One great game after another, one great moment after another. Uh, The United States on Tuesday night did lose in the final. Uh, The U.S. lost to Japan 3-2 at Lone Depot Park in Miami, Florida. Official attendance 36,098. Amazing seeing more than 12 fans in attendance at a game at the Miami Marlins home ballpark. And how about the ending of the game? A battle of Los Angeles Angels teammates, a battle of arguably the two biggest stars in Major League Baseball, pitcher slash DH Shohei Otani striking out center fielder Mike Trout. You basically could not have scripted the ending of that game any better, at least if Japan had to win. Uh, We in the game had yet another home run from Philadelphia Phillies shortstop and, of course, former Nationals shortstop Trey Turner, who in this WBC smashed five home runs. Uh, We, during this WBC, had some big moments from Nats first baseman Joey Manessis for Mexico and for Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins for the U.S. Just a lot of good stuff. It's tricky with the WBC. The games are great, but the injury risk is real. And we, during this WBC, did see multiple significant players suffer serious injury. New York Mets closer Edwin Diaz, Houston Astros second baseman Jose Altuve. But again, a very good tournament. Uh, The MLB regular season is coming. It begins next week. Opening day is Thursday, March 30th. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We are waiting on word on whether the commanders are signing unrestricted free agent linebacker Anthony Walker. Uh, He reportedly visited the commanders on Tuesday. He's coming off a serious injury, a torn left 
quadriceps tendon, but he's a talented player, and the commander signing him would give them a promising and uh, rather athletic top three at linebacker when you think about Jamin Davis and Cody Barton as well. We also are waiting on an official announcement or even a concrete report about the sale of the commanders having been agreed on, though we on Tuesday afternoon did get a report from someone who seems to have an in with the current ownership of the commanders. Next segment, I'm going to talk about this report and the dynamics of the reporting uh, in this saga that is the sale of the commanders and what will be taking place next week, the NFL's annual league meeting, uh, at which the sale of the commanders may well be front and center. I'm also next segment going to address the commanders and Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. The commanders and Lamar. Lamar and the commanders. Specifically, the national media's obsession (laughs) with the commanders going after Lamar, even though the local media consistently has said that the commanders are not going after Lamar. But I'm also going to discuss whether a sale of the commanders, if it happens soon, might prompt the team to go after Lamar. You know, this sale of the commanders could change everything with the team's quarterback situation. A lot to get into. Uh, Additionally, we have Capitals and Wizards games. Uh, Capitals and Wizards losses from Tuesday night to talk about. For the Caps, a 7-6 overtime loss to the NHL-worst Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena in a game in which the Caps blew a 3-0 first-period lead and a 5-3 third-period lead. A total collapse despite winger Alex Ovechkin making NHL history, a first-period even-strength goal for his 40th goal of this regular season, giving him an NHL record 13 career 40-goal regular seasons. Amazing. Uh, For the Wizards, a 122-112 loss at the Orlando Magic on Tuesday night. Eight losses in 10 games now for our Wizards. Uh, I'm not complaining. I don't want them anywhere near that Eastern Conference play-in tournament. But boy, uh, the Wizards, uh, they be wilting down the stretch. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, the commanders on their website on Tuesday posted Something interesting. Posted what was billed as a message to Commander's Nation from new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, And uh, this to me is worth reading. Um, and to me, the best aspect of this was Bieniemy addressing his reputation for being a demanding coach. I liked a lot of what Bieniemy had to say. Quote, what you see is what you get with me. I pride myself on this. I coach hard but I coach fair. I'm going to be your biggest advocate, but I'm also going to be your harshest critic. I do all that out of love. I have a high standard because I know what it takes to succeed in this league, end quote. Later in the piece, quote, there's a reason why I put so much emphasis on the smaller details. If you take those things for granted, that leads to big mistakes happening along the way. That could be as simple as coming to work every day, doing the necessary things to take care of your body, or getting in the weight room and developing a routine. Failure to take those things seriously bleeds into your attitude on the field. You may start thinking that you'll take a playoff because the ball is not coming to you. The next thing you know, somebody is running behind you and you miss a block. It's all about executing with great attention to detail and making the very most 
of that opportunity. Some opportunities may not be as fruitful as others, but the question is, have you mentally and physically prepared yourself to be ready for that moment? There are always three plays that can change the course of a game. If you've prepared yourself to be ready for those moments, guess what? It'll show. If you haven't, it can be a heartbreaking situation, end quote. Uh, Eric Bieniemy's demanding nature has rubbed some people the wrong way. But to me, uh, that demanding nature is a big part of his appeal. So I enjoyed reading what he had to say. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Ken off an email that I, on Tuesday's show, episode 532, read and responded to. The email uh, was from Joe, who had a rebrand pitch for the next owner or owners of the commanders. And the pitch was a new name of Rappahannocks, the Washington Rappahannocks, Knox for short. Uh, Writes Ken, enjoy the show. Native American groups made it clear during the rebrand that they did not want any Native name, imagery, etc. of any kind. Rebranding to Rappahannocks would just be courting controversy again. That's the last thing that a new owner should want. Your emailer brought up the Seminoles in Florida State. Yes, the tribe allowed FSU to continue using the name years ago, but there is far from unanimous opinion in the Native community and even among Seminoles as to whether this is a good thing or not. Most Native groups have indicated that they don't want to be mascots for sports teams. Whether the name is a racial slur or not, there is a significant movement to change the names of the Atlanta Braves, Chicago Blackhawks, and Kansas City Chiefs. People may not like commanders, but returning to some version of the past is not the way to go. Uh, Thank you for the email, Ken. Yeah, if the Commander's franchise undergoes another name change, and that is a big if, but if that happens, there is very little chance that the new name uh, would be a name even remotely associated with Native Americans, to say nothing of something that I brought up on this podcast months ago, and that did get some attention, and that something is going back to the name Redskins. I brought that up just as like an off-the-cuff thought, not because I think that that's going to happen. I don't think that that's going to happen for a lot of reasons. Uh, I still think that it is unclear whether most actual Native Americans, not most white people, okay, (laughs) but most Native Americans don't like teams having Native American-related names. But clearly, There are some Native Americans who don't. There may well be many Native Americans who don't. And the last thing that you ever want to do with a name or brand of a sports team is alienate people or offend people or marginalize people. You know, no team, no person should be looking to do those things. You want to be inclusive. You want to be respectful. I just always wonder, could it be that many, if not most, Native Americans see teams having Native American-related names as a source of pride, especially given how ignored and disregarded Native Americans are in our country? But it's hard to have a definitive answer to that. Email from Mike Harwell on a potential guest for this podcast. Writes Mike, I know nothing about how you schedule guests and which ones are basically unavailable, but there has been so much speculation and energy around Sam Howell as a potential starting quarterback. It would seem like bleeding obvious (laughs) to have an extensive interview with him, but I have seen slash heard none. I think that many fans would like to get to know Sam a bit and understand how he is dealing with the tremendous pressure that he must be under. I saw a couple of interviews with him when he was at Carolina. He seemed to be down to earth and low key. 
Being a lifelong Carolina fan, I closely followed his career in Chapel Hill. However, most Commanders fans only know him from the Dallas game and a brief post-game interview. A 20-minute interview with you would be terrific. Well, thank you for the email, Mike, and great idea. You know, I would love to have the man being positioned to be our Commanders QB1 for the 2023 season, Sam Howell, on this podcast. But a few things. So, To interview players from teams, you usually have to go through the team's media relations department. Uh, The media relations department basically is the gatekeeper for player interviews. And right now, basically the only player interviews that you hear slash see are press conferences. Uh, The idea with players who aren't free agents this offseason is that now is their downtime, their off time. And so you don't see many, if any, interviews with commanders, players who aren't players who have been acquired or re-signed this offseason. Another thing, though, is this, and this is something that I've wrestled with internally, but one of the things that I do really value on this podcast is its independence. You know, I am beholden to no person. I am beholden to no entity. Uh, what you get from me regarding the teams that I talk about on this podcast is 100% truth and honesty. No holds barred. And, you know, not that I was muzzled when I worked at the Team 980. I wasn't, but 980 was the flagship radio station of the Skin slash Washington football team from 2008 through 2021. And the station was owned by the team from 2008 to 2018. And there were times that I got texts from Larry Michael, who became in charge of the station. And uh, Larry, in those texts, was not happy (laughs) with something that I said or did. Now, Larry also said a lot of nice things to me, so I don't want to paint this picture like he was some tyrant, okay? But with this podcast, I can do what I want and say what I want, period. Full stop, as the saying goes. Uh, If I start playing the game of requesting from the commanders, interviews with commanders players, uh, my concern is that I might have to play the game of perhaps softening things a bit or holding back a bit. And I don't want to do that. Uh, Now, I don't consider myself to be like super critical, but, you know, I like that when I'm formulating my thoughts and opinions and putting together shows, I don't have to spend a single second thinking about what anyone other than you, the listener, the listener will think. And ultimately, That's the only person to whom I want to be beholden, you, the listener. So I hope that that makes sense. Trust me, I have considered playing the game. I have considered trying to angle for interviews so that maybe once a year I get, say, head coach Rod Rivera on the show, and that would be nice, but the integrity of the show matters a lot to me. Not that what I'm doing is high-level journalism or anything like that, okay? (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong, but they're often in the media is a trade-off. And the trade-off is honesty for access. Are you willing to sacrifice honesty for access? And it is a tricky scenario. Well, what's also tricky is dealing with harm caused by the negligence of someone else. Always know that the great law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace, it is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. 
Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, next week is going to be a bonkers week regarding Commander's news and reports and conversation, especially if there still has not been a sale of the team agreed on. Uh, We next week have the NFL's long-anticipated annual league meeting, uh, what is often referred to as the owners' meetings. The annual league meeting will take place from Sunday, March 26th through Wednesday, March 29th at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. It is at this annual league meeting that we have reporters everywhere uh, seeking comments from NFL owners about all kinds of things. I mean, you think about the things that could be said about Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder next week, you know? (laughs) We can only imagine, okay, what might the other owners be willing to say to reporters next week? What might Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Ursay be willing to say to reporters next week? Remember, it was Ursay who this past October 18th at the NFL's Fall League meeting, uh, this one taking place in Manhattan, New York, uh, became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as owner of the Commanders. Uh, What might Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones be willing to say to reporters next week? Remember, Jerry, in a piece by NFL columnist Jared Bell of USA Today Sports that came out this past January 13th, distanced himself from Dan Snyder. Said Jerry, regarding sticking up for Dan, quote, is he worth me taking a sword? He's not Al Davis for me. He's not. (laughs) End quote. Uh, It is at next week's annual league meeting that we have long heard about a sale of the commanders potentially being voted on. Uh, Fox Sports NFL insider Jay Glazer on Fox NFL Sunday all the way back on November 6th reported that the hope was to have the sale of the commanders finalized by this annual league meeting in March. And if you caught my conversation on Tuesday's show, episode 532 with sports business insider Evan Novi williams of Sportico, he said that he thinks that we at this league meeting next week could get an actual vote from NFL owners to approve new ownership of the Commanders. 
Uh, The sale of an NFL team includes the sale being approved by at least three-fourths of NFL teams, so at least 24 of the 32 NFL teams. Now, of course, we need a sale of the commanders having been agreed on before we get that vote on the sale of the team. And while there right now is a ton of smoke regarding a sale of the commanders having been agreed on or at least being close to being agreed on, there still is nothing official or even reported uh, beyond longtime Washington, D.C. area sports writer Rick Snyder this past Saturday night tweeting that a sale has been agreed on, but not saying with whom because he wasn't able to confirm that. Uh, What very much seems to be the case is that the group led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner Josh Harris is the favorite to buy the commanders, especially off the group reportedly uh, having recently added Washington, D.C. area billionaire Mitchell Rails and NBA legend Magic Johnson, who has had a lot of business success. But again, nothing is firm, at least not yet. And as I have been saying, and as I think a lot of people have been thinking, until a sale to someone other than Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is complete, you can't count him out of all of this. Although I know that a belief is that Dan Snyder is only using Bezos as a means of driving up the price for Josh Harris's group and whatever other groups might remain in the bidding on the team. And that theory is plausible. There's also this. Uh, We on Tuesday afternoon got a tweet about the sale of the commanders from Fox Business Network senior correspondent Charles Gasparino, uh, who seems to have an in with Dan Snyder, or at least uh, with team Dan Snyder. Uh, Dan, as we know, is politically conservative. Uh, Fox News, of course, is politically conservative. Uh, I know for a fact that Dan has had some big time Fox News personalities uh, in his box at FedEx Field for a game or games. Uh, Guys like Brett Hume and Brett Baer, both of whom I believe are Commanders fans. So I would not be surprised at all if Dan has a relationship with Charles Gasparino. Uh, Anyway, tweeted Gasparino on Tuesday afternoon, quote, breaking on Commander sale in all likelihood There will be no 100% done deal by NFL owners meeting next week, NFL sources. Indication potential bidders still scrambling for money to meet Dan Snyder's demands is possible addition of Magic Johnson to the Josh Harris bid. Sources, end quote. The Magic Johnson item was kind of funny because Gasparino says that Magic is a possible addition. Uh, Well, if you go off the reporting of Monday afternoon and Monday night, uh, Magic has been added to the Josh Harris group already. But what we also got in that tweet from Gasparino was pushback to what Evan Novi Williams said on Tuesday's installment of this podcast and also what he had in his report on Monday afternoon breaking that Magic Johnson news. Quote, after being relatively stagnant, For the last few months, commander's negotiations have progressed over the last week, and it's possible a deal could be reached ahead of NFL owners' meetings in Arizona at the end of the month. That would be welcome news across much of the league and among the owners of its other 31 franchises who have talked about the unprecedented step of forcing Snyder out. End quote. You know, one of the more noticeable aspects of this saga that is the sale of the commanders is the back and forth, the push-pull, the dance uh, that has been the reporting of this saga. One day or one minute, we hear one thing. The next day or next minute, we hear another thing. And that's not coincidence. That's not by accident. Uh, That's one side responding to another side. All of this reporting is based on leaks from various parties in the saga. 
In this latest case, Monday afternoon, a non-Dan Snyder party or non-Dan Snyder parties uh, put it out there that a deal for the sale of the commanders could be reached ahead of next week's annual league meeting. But then, Tuesday afternoon, a guy who seems to be well-connected to Dan, Charles Gasparino, he put out a tweet pouring cold water on the notion of a sale of the commanders being reached ahead of next week's annual league meeting, perhaps because Dan wants to drive up the price of the commanders even more, which might explain the second half of Gasparino's tweet on Tuesday afternoon. Quote, indication potential bidders are still scrambling for money to meet Dan Snyder's demands is possible addition of Magic Johnson to the Josh Harris bid sources. End quote. If you are Dan and you want as much money for the commanders as possible, don't you want it out there? that potential bidders are scrambling for money to meet your demands. Of course you do. So to me, there very much is a game that's being played by all parties in this sale of the commanders. And I think that it's important to remember that when reading and hearing and processing all of these reports, and there are so many reports, uh, including reports that are conflicting. Uh, Meantime, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson Boy, the national media's obsession (laughs) with the commanders going after Lamar will not stop. So as you know, the Ravens on March 7th slapped Lamar with the non-exclusive franchise tag, meaning that he can sign an offer sheet with another team. There are two kinds of franchise tags in the NFL, the non-exclusive franchise tag and the exclusive franchise tag. The major difference between the two is that the non-exclusive franchise tag allows for the player to sign an offer sheet with another team. Uh, The original team has the right to match the offer. If the original team does not match the offer, the original team receives two first-round draft picks from the new team, although that trade compensation can be negotiated. Uh, And again, the national media's obsession with the commanders going after Lamar will not stop. This all started with Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, who became like fixated on Dan Snyder basically offering Lamar a blank check. The commanders, of course, publicly have been positioning Sam Howell to be their QB1 for the 2023 season. Uh, Then they last Thursday officially signed unrestricted free agent quarterback Jacoby Brissett, but the national media continues to pound this drum of the commanders going after Lamar. Uh, NFL insider Peter King of NBC Sports, he and his uh, Football Morning in America column that came out on Sunday night, quote, in the ultimate last gasp of the Snyder administration, DC fans can only pray the end is nigh. A franchise that has finished 25th, 23rd, and 24th in scoring in the past three seasons, a franchise in the same division with the NFC champ, Explosive Dallas and the Rising Giants, a franchise in search of a franchise quarterback since forever will cast its lot this season with the 144th pick of the 2022 draft, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. No need to even speak with the 2019 MVP who plays just up I-95 in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Nope. That'd be a waste of time, right? I'm not suggesting the commanders absolutely should sign a 26-year-old franchise quarterback with injury question marks, but to not even go down the road with Jackson. How do you say you're doing everything you can to win when you don't sit with him and see what Lamar Jackson is all about? What does that cost exactly? End quote.
NFL insider Josina Anderson of CBS Sports HQ. Uh, she on Monday morning tweeted, quote, new ownership for the commanders shouldn't need a season to determine everything starts with having an elite franchise quarterback and that everything should be done to imminently acquire the most elite option available. The goal is the Super Bowl every year, not to waste time, end quote. And that tweet obviously was about Lamar. I find this phenomenon of national reporters pushing for the commanders to go after Lamar Jackson and in a lot of ways lecturing the commanders about going after Lamar to be very odd. I mean, the commanders going after Lamar isn't without logic, but this pushing, this lecturing, these things all very much come off as these reporters trying to get in Lamar Jackson's good graces. You know, what I talk about in the opening segment of the show, the trade-off of honesty for access This phenomenon of national reporters pushing slash lecturing for the commanders to go after Lamar Jackson could be an example of sacrificing honesty for access. Uh, We on this podcast have talked about a potential commander's pursuit of Lamar Jackson. Number one, this speculation about the commanders going after Lamar has been entirely fueled by national reporters who pretty clearly do not at all buy Sam Howell. And maybe they're right, okay? I mean, Sam is far from a sure thing, but the reporting from local reporters, from people on the commander's beat, has been consistent. The commanders aren't going after Lamar Jackson. Number two, a team giving Lamar the monster money contract that he wants and trading two first-round picks to the Ravens for him is not the slam dunk yes that national reporters are making it out to be. I believe that Lamar Jackson is really good, but is his body breaking down? He has missed five games in each of the last two regular seasons. You can't ignore that. Additionally, his last two seasons, even when he has played, have not been great. And, and this to me is the biggest item of all, if we all agree that the Ravens are one of the smartest teams in the NFL, and their track record would suggest that, yeah, they are one of the smartest teams in the NFL, and yet the Ravens, who know Lamar better than any other team in the NFL, still have not worked out a contract extension with him, then doesn't that tell you that they maybe possibly don't want to work out a contract extension with him? And if they don't want to work out a contract extension with them, you gotta ask why. What do the Ravens know or fear or believe that has compelled them to not do whatever it takes to sign their supposed franchise quarterback to a contract extension? So I continue to get a kick out of the national media trying to like force a commander's pursuit of Lamar. It's like the national media is doing Lamar's bidding and trying to spice up a market that, oh, by the way, has been disappointing. But all of that said, I do want to acknowledge this. New ownership of the commanders could change everything. And because of that, I don't think that we can just slam the door shut on the commanders going after Lamar. I mean, consider the following scenario. The Josh Harris group wins the bidding for the commanders. The sale is finalized, uh, say, in April. The new ownership gives head coach Ron Rivera a win-now edict, and Lamar Jackson remains available. 
Is it that inconceivable that under that scenario, the commanders would make a play for Lamar? No, that's not inconceivable. And what's especially notable is that Lamar, who, as is widely known, does not use an official agent, uh, may be being humbled by his disappointing market. Did you happen to see this from Mike Florio on Tuesday morning? Quote, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is free to speak with other teams. He currently isn't. But someone on his behalf has. Per multiple sources, a representative for Jackson has contacted more than one team in an effort to spark negotiations aimed at a possible offer sheet. The representative is not certified by the NFL Players Association. As one source explained it, the person has said that Jackson does not want a fully guaranteed contract. Some regard this as a possible exercise in semantics, with Jackson still wanting a very significant amount fully guaranteed, up to $200 million or more, with one or more non-guaranteed years on the back end. Another source said that the representative is telling other teams that Lamar is ready to move on from the Ravens, end quote. So there's a lot to take in with all of that. But let me just bottom line all of that for you into a simple sentence for us as Commanders fans. Lamar Jackson is being humbled. As one of our favorites, the Iron Sheik, the great Sheiky Baby, likes to say, make him humble. Make him humble. Yes, Sheiky, make him humble. Lamar Jackson is being humbled. Make him humble. That's right, cheeky baby. Lamar Jackson is being humbled. Fair or unfair, right or wrong, Lamar is being humbled. And so if Lamar is getting humbled and he ends up remaining available for a while and new commander's ownership wants to make a big splash and Ron Rivera is told by that new commander's ownership that he needs to win now to keep his job. Yeah, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the commanders could go after Lamar. And as we have come to know, (laughs) uh, that would make a lot of people in the national media happy. But as things stand right now, the commanders aren't going after Lamar. I don't think that they're crazy for not going after Lamar, even though I like Lamar and have a lot of respect for Lamar. But you know, (laughs) the fact that so many national reporters are so sure that the commanders should go after Lamar makes me think that that is precisely why the commanders are just fine not going after Lamar. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, Tuesday night was a special night at Capital One Arena. The Capitals held a pregame ceremony honoring captain and winger Alex Ovechkin for passing Gordie Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history. Now, Ovi did this all the way back on December 23rd uh, when he scored two goals in a 4-1 Caps win over the Winnipeg Jets at Capital One Arena. Uh, This, by the way, was the same game in which defenseman John Carlson got struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon and suffered a fractured skull and a severed temporal artery. Uh, Carlson hasn't played in a game since, although he is getting close to returning. Uh, But yeah, the great eight, Alex Ovechkin honored in a pregame ceremony on Tuesday night. He then made NHL history, but his caps then blew (laughs) a big lead in an overtime loss to the worst team in the NHL. A feel-good night for the caps became anything but. Uh, They fell to 33-31-8 with a 7-6 overtime loss to the NHL-worst Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. The Caps now have 74 points, or five points, behind the Florida Panthers for the Eastern Conference's second and final wildcard spot. And the Caps have just 10 games left in this NHL regular season. The math is becoming problematic for the Caps in terms of making the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Caps are running out of time to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Not a shocker given uh, the Caps' sell-off prior to the NHL trade deadline on March 3rd, but still, uh, the Caps are fading. Uh, They now are 11-18-2 since their 22-13-6 start. And yeah, the Caps on Tuesday night had a choke job loss, okay? I mean, let's tell it like it is. The Caps choked on Tuesday night. They were facing the worst team in the NHL. And yet the Caps blew a 3-0 first period lead and a 5-3 third period lead. The Caps in a third period that they lost 3-1 had just seven shots on goal to the Blue Jackets 15. The Caps for the game totaled 16 giveaways to the Blue Jackets 6. Second time in three games that the Caps had a bunch of giveaways. The Caps in their 5-2 loss to the St. Louis Blues at Capital One Arena this past Friday night committed 17 giveaways 
to the Blue Six. Uh, now, Alex Ovechkin on Tuesday night did make NHL history. He was credited with a first period even strand goal for his 40th goal of this regular season, giving him an NHL record 13 career 40 goal regular seasons. He surpassed Wayne Gretzky, who had 12 career 40 goal regular seasons. So the great eight on Tuesday night surpassed the great one. An outstanding accomplishment for Ovi, an NHL record 13 40 goal regular seasons. This was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post game press conference on Tuesday night on Alex Ovechkin. He's, he's been doing it every year consistently since he came into the league. And so um, it doesn't seem to be any slowdown in him. Um, he plays fast. He plays hard. Even in overtime, driving wide like that and taking it to the net, that's him realizing that there's a chance to make a difference in a game. And, and that's what he's really good at. Um, you know, he's, But the, for me, the consistency part of it is, to answer your question, to be able to do that year in and year out. No doubt. But, you know, it's hard to be giddy about Alex Ovechkin, given what happened in this game on Tuesday night. Uh, The Caps' goaltending on Tuesday night was horrible. Uh, Goaltender Darcy Kemper for a second consecutive game was unavailable due to an upper body injury that he suffered in practice this past Saturday. And so Charlie Lindgren was the Caps' starting goaltender for a second straight game. You know, Lindgren earlier this season did a very good job in place of an injured Darcy Kemper. But Lindgren on Tuesday night stopped just 32 of the 39 shots on goal that he faced. Yes, stop just 32 of the 39 shots on goal that he faced. And six of the seven goals that Lingren allowed were even strength goals. It's not like he got victimized by a lot of power play goals. In fact, each team had just one power play opportunity the entire game. (laughs) And yet the final score ended up being 7-6. The Caps on Tuesday night were down multiple key defensemen. I mentioned John Carlson remaining out. Uh, Also defenseman Trevor Van Riemsdyk did not play due to the expected birth of a child. The Caps also remained without wingers Connor Brown and Carl Hagelin due to injury. But back for the Caps was defenseman Nick Jensen. Uh, He returned from a two-game absence caused by an upper body injury, and he was really good. Jensen had two even strand goals, a game-high tying five shots on goal, a game-high 11 total shot attempts, and a team-high tying three block shots. You know, the Caps on Tuesday night had a number of offensive bright spots. So winger TJ Oshie, he remains on fire. He had an even strength goal and a secondary assist. Oshie now, over his last 17 games, has 18 points, nine goals, and nine assists. Winger Sonny Milano had an even strength goal and a secondary assist, giving him a regular season career-high 21 assists. Winger Tom Wilson had two assists, although he did have a second period roughing minor. Defenseman Rasmus Sandine, another assist, a primary assist. He also had a team high tying three block shots. Rasmus Sandine now over nine games with the Caps has 12 points, one goal, and 11 assists. But the Caps lost and at home and against the worst team in the NHL and in a game in which the Caps gacked away a 3-0 first period lead and a 5-3 third period lead. And while, yes, the Caps did get a point due to the loss being an overtime loss, uh, this still was a highly disappointing outcome. More from Peter Laviolette from his post-game press conference on Tuesday night. We got to win. We got to win a hockey game. We scored six goals. And so, we you know, we didn't. Um, we got to put it away. 
You know, when it's 3-1 coming out to start the second period, we got to put it away when it's 5-3. We got to put it away when, you know, we score to go up late. And uh, we we didn't, we weren't able to do any of those. No, you weren't. Uh, Next up for the Caps, a home game against another bad team. Uh Uh-oh. Home to the Chicago Blackhawks, who are the second worst team in the Western Conference, Thursday night at 7. So the Capitals on Tuesday night had a deflating loss. The Wizards on Tuesday night had, shall we say, an uplifting loss, at least if you're like me and you want our going nowhere Wizards uh, losing right now for NBA draft lottery purposes. But the Wizards fell to 32-40 and with a 122-112 loss at the Orlando Magic on Tuesday night. A 10-point loss at the third worst team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Wizards are tied with the Indiana Pacers for the fourth worst record in the East. And now we're two and a half games behind the Chicago Bulls for 10th in the East. Seeds 7 through 10 in each conference make its play-in tournament for the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Wizards are fading. They on Tuesday night lost for a sixth time in seven games and for the eighth time in 10 games. I do wonder if we are seeing the final games for Wes Unsell Jr. as Wizards head coach. Uh, The game early in the fourth quarter was tied at 91. The Wizards then allowed the Magic to go on a 29-16 run for a 13-point lead at 120-107 late in the fourth quarter. Uh, The Wizards were without Kyle Kuzma. He did not play due to a sprained right ankle, but Chris Dabbs Porzingis was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID illness, and he was very good. Porzingis in 38 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter, went 3 of 7 on threes, 9 of 15 on twos, 3 of 3 on free throws. He finished with 30 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists versus 2 turnovers, 2 blocks, and a team best plus-minus rating of plus six. But the Wizards' defense on Tuesday night was bad to some extent for a third consecutive game. The Wizards allowed the Magic to score 122 points, including 52 points in the paint, and to go 12 of 27 on threes. The Wizards allowed Gary Harris in just 24 minutes, 10 seconds as a starter to score 22 points. He went six and nine on threes. And the Wizards allowed an old friend to do well. Former Wizard Mo Wagner, remember him? He, in just 13 minutes, 40 seconds off the bench, scored 15 points. Uh, The Wizards on Tuesday night went just a 10 of 32 on threes. Bradley Beal did not have a good game. Uh, Mr. Supermax, in 31 minutes, 26 seconds as a starter, went 0 of 4 on threes and just 4 of 11 on twos. He fouled out in the fourth quarter. Uh, Beal did go 8 of 10 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 7 assists versus 2 turnovers and 5 rebounds. But Beal, in a fourth quarter that the Wizards lost 35-24, scored a mere 4 points. Now again, I don't want the Wizards winning right now. But let's say that you did want the Wizards winning right now. And the Wizards are trying to win right now. You know, Beal is getting paid 50-plus million per season via this Supermax contract, to which he was re-signed this past July. A five-year, $251 million Supermax contract, which is the richest contract in Washington, D.C. sports history. I'm sorry. 0 of 4 on threes, just 4 of 11 on twos, just four points in the fourth quarter of a close game. Not good enough 
for $50-plus million per season. The Supermax contract for Beal, right or wrong, is a big deal with Beal when you talk about where he's at as a player. He's got to do more than what he did on Tuesday night if he's going to be making 50 plus million dollars per season. This was the problem that I and so many of you had with the Wizards just gifting Beal this Supermax contract. He's being paid like an NBA superstar. He is not an NBA superstar. Uh, a bright spot for the Wizards on Tuesday night, in addition to Chris Dapps, Porzingis, was Denny Avdia. Uh, he, in 33 minutes, 57 seconds off the bench, went three of four on threes, two of two on twos, and two of three on free throws. He finished with 15 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, and two steals, although he did commit four turnovers. Uh, the Wizards have just 10 regular season games left. Next up is a game on Wednesday night, home to the Western Conference-leading Denver Nuggets at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Get the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 534, will feature plenty on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Wizards, the Wizard home to the Denver Nuggets, Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Make him humble.